This is Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe. Now, here's Patrick McEnroe. Well, my next guest uh, is a longtime friend of mine. We met actually when our kids were in preschool in Manhattan, and he has inspired me with his uh, dedication to workouts. But more than that, he's actually inspired me with his commitment to the game of tennis, which started in his early 40s. The one and only Monty Russo joins me today. How are you, Monty? I'm wonderful. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, It's my pleasure and honor as a gladiator and friend to be on your show. Tell me how your tennis got started, because I know when we met, you had sort of just started to get into it, and um, you've taken it, as we like to say, to another level now in your mid-50s. But how did you get into the sport? Uh, I got into it on weekends at 43, uh, I want to say two years before I met you, just a short time in uh, Southampton, New York, uh, at a place called Triangle. And uh, it was challenging at first being a uh, ex-football uh, weightlifter um, out there in the world uh, to adjust uh, just on weekends, which is limited if you think of only 12 weeks of summer in the Northeast. So that was the first part of it. And uh, then two years later, of course, when I met you, it became more interesting and more inspiring, along with a particular um, instructor out there, out out east, that made a world a difference. So... um, well, we know, the, we, 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 yeah, we know the importance of, of tennis coaches. I certainly do as, in, as far as inspiring people to play. Usually it's young kids, but in your case, in your early 40s, I know your background was big in football when you were growing up, and, and I know you got into competitive weightlifting as well, which is a quite different animal than uh, playing tennis. So how did you get into the weightlifting side of it? I know you grew up in, in Westchester and Port Chester up here uh, in Westchester County, but how did you get into football and then weightlifting as well? Well, Patrick, um, to actually play football, I had to build my body. I was one of these skinny little kids. Um, you know, I grew up a little bit differently. I'm the baby of four, uh, skinny limited food on the table, uh, and had to take the survival of the fittest, uh, attitude. Uh, I grew up, uh, in a, in a poor environment to say at best middle class at best where, you know, my high school alone, 30% of the kids attempted college. Wow. That was it. Uh, never mind, finished it. Uh, we were also inspired, uh, by, um, at the poor YMCA looking up to icons like Rocky, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger Mm -hmm. in the late 70s. So, um, you know, it's predominantly uh, an Italian immigrant, uh, uh, excuse me, Italian immigrant town uh, along with uh, uh, multicultural. So so football, baseball, wrestling, and weightlifting were potentially the only opportunities. Um, I also grew up with a, a sick brother who had a uh, drug and mental illness, uh, issues. So, um, he spent time in mental hospitals and in and out of state prisons. So anything to inspire myself, one, to take care of myself, um, inspire me to, uh, weight lift, gain weight and do well at football. So, and then found that my, uh, 
my weightlifting uh, took over at a young age. Um, I took third in the United States bench press uh, championship in um, New Haven, Connecticut as a teenager. Mm-hmm. And as an adult at 21, took second in the United States bench press championship in Des Moines, Iowa for drug-free championship, which was a, a severe honor. The careers are different in weightlifting um, from tearing down your body. Um, I, I was in the gym at 15 years of age, luckily enough, and, and they let me in there early with older kids that always pushed me and older people inspired me. Um, and my weightlifting career was over by 25 years of age. Mm. So that that's a little bit different than, say, tennis uh, for other individuals. I'm guessing, ten- um, I'm guessing tennis wasn't really an option in Port Chester in that area, huh? Not at all, unless you went to the neighboring town, Rye, and where to, where to hit the ball on the wall, maybe uh, that was going to be your limit. Um, but but not, not a chance, not, not a chance at all. Uh, I didn't know, I didn't know really. Yeah, sure, I might have heard of uh, John McEnroe once or twice, mm-hmm. but really didn't pay attention. It, it, right. it just wasn't in our cards, um, you know, for whatever it is. And then, you know, with weightlifting, um, and you're competing at such a high level, um, when, when you don't know where your peak is, things break down. Mm. Um, as you know, I've, I've had uh, uh, left shoulder full reconstruction, right shoulder full reconstruction, hand surgery mm-hmm. um, back in 1995, uh, and uh, Del Potro surgery, believe it or not, um, as well on my left wrist. Mm-hmm. So, Vic injections on my knees, you name it. Um, so what inspired me most at 43 is what, what can I take on now that I could push myself and learn about? And there's where I found it extremely challenging to, to go hit a ball without hitting it out of the park, literally. Right. We lost a lot of tennis balls. Mm-hmm. Uh, Going over the uh, fence, right? Big time, big <laughs> time. So, so how do you control that? How right. do you tweak it? And uh, an instructor who uh, is a legend in his own, uh, Ron Ristroff, um, had taken me underneath his wing, um, and he said, if you make some minor tweaks to your body, mm-hmm. you're a natural athlete that has untapped potential, uh, potential, excuse me, right. your game will go through the roof and, um, you know, uh, learning what were the, a what, lot. What were, the, what were those tweaks to your body that he was talking about? Just kind of lean out or what, what was he referring to? Do you think? Uh, you know, just the, the way I was even holding the racket, mm-hmm. um, and, and pushing things out in front of me, driving it along, um, uh, where, where the minor tweak, the ball went over with more power where I didn't have to hit it as hard and, and learn to put your gut and your abdomen in place. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't how hard you hit it. It's how you hit it. Mm. And, and so those things, uh, uh I, I really took in, and, and, and as an athlete, the true ones will, will take on any kind of criticism, and I didn't find that at all because, as you know, uh, I will play anybody to get better. Uh, of course, we all don't want to play somebody that's uh, really bad because then we're not having any fun and, and we're not uh, doing ourselves any justice, but I took on any challenge uh, at any time um, as a player, uh, mm-hmm. to be a 1.5 player to start in, in a tennis ratings, uh, right. 
to upward to play guys that say uh, they were a four or five or they played uh, in a college, uh, you know, not named colleges, but right. let's say University of Vermont, and then I'll find a way to beat them six three. So the determination and the excitement has brought me uh, 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 so much desire to want to do it and then uh, learning different things through you and others along the way just push me through the next level. So I, I'm guessing that when you were first learning and playing, playing with your coach or with Ron, that, you know, obviously I've, I've seen a lot of beginners play, whether they're young kids or an, an adults like you, or, where I think it's even more difficult because um, it's such a timing sport and it's such a sport where, especially with your background playing football and being into weightlifting, it's like, just go. I just got to like put my head through the wall, right, to get there. And I know you and I know that you will do that. But in tennis, it's almost like you have to sort of retrain yourself to pull back, you know, to just kind of feel the ball and have a little more flow. So how, how difficult was that? And is that still for you? You know, I, 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 I am so inspired at uh, 57 years of age still today on how I can get better at the game. And Ron, of course, is, is now in his mid-70s, uh, to say it best. Uh, it said your body could, could still learn more. And, and sure, you may not hit the ball as hard, but now I'm learning certain things like drop shots and uh, different, different uh, things to do to really make my, my opponent move. Uh, I'm not afraid to go play a guy that's 45, 46 who may have more run on me because I like to run down and hit the ball. But now I have to uh, start thinking about not running as much mm-hmm. and become more crafty in what I need to do, um, how to hit that drop shot to make my uh, yes. opponent come to the net and then go lob it over his head. Yeah, the, so. the, the older you get, okay, the more important becomes those sort of touch shots. And you see those, those crafty older guys playing at the park or the club, you know, that have been playing tennis for many, many years, and they know exactly how to get that touch on that drop shot. I know I owe you a lesson on the drop shot, Monty. You've been talking to me about that for a while. But what do you think, what do you, what do you think is the key to that shot? Uh, I'm going to give you a little test now to see. So when we get out there, I'll see where you're at. You know, uh, I, I, I think first I have to have my, my, my footing in place first before I, I, I'm also set with my, my racket. But, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of different things. I, I don't know what that is, Patrick. I'm going to leave that. Well, well I'm going gonna, gonna, gonna to give you a couple of hints, okay? So, Go ahead. Um, actually, probably even more important than getting your footwork into position is, is what I call – the handwork, so it's sort of it's sort of control of the racket. And believe it or not, you could go out there by yourself, okay, take a basket of balls, and you could just sort of stand on your own service line, right? And you could even mm-hmm. put up a couple of targets on the other side of the net within the other service box, okay? And we do this mm-hmm. with our kids at our tennis academy, our McEnroe Tennis Academy. You've been there in Randall's Island all the time. Yep. And you'd be surprised at how difficult – it is even for pretty well-developed young kids to just control the ball and feel the ball and tap it into, obviously, the better you get, <clears throat> excuse me, the smaller the area. But if you just started mm-hmm. on one, your service box going into the other service, and that's how you develop 
the feel and the control of the shot. It's not about swinging hard. It's about feeling that ball. Mm-hmm. So Great. what do you think? Are you going to go out there and do it? Will you go, I want you to do that before we get out there on the court. You, you don't need, so you don't have to pay a pro. You don't have to pay. I, I mean, I love Ron. Ron's awesome. You got to yeah. pay him for your lessons. But this, yeah. is, this is a way to go out there and just rent the court by yourself, go out there, hit some serves. You could even drop the ball and hit a few forehands from the baseline and then go and work on that feel, work on that drop shot. If you have a wall, that's a great place to do it as well, and you can sort of get the feel for tapping the ball back to yourself with a drop shot grip, which is a little bit different than probably your regular grip. Well, I'll take it one step further. I'll I'll get out there this weekend and find a wall and get my phone on a a self-pod to record me so that you could tell me everything (laughs) wrong that I'm doing. That's a, that's gonna okay. come. That's gonna come at a high price, Monty. Big, you, you, big price. You skipped a lot of years there. When you said you stopped your sort of professional weightlifting or competitive weightlifting in your mid twenties, and then between mm-hmm. then and your early forties, what other activities did you like to do to keep yourself in shape? Well, you know, I would, I would continue to go to the gym. I, I found that I increased my cardio. You know, uh, when I had this chiseled. Uh, uh, big body. Uh, you know, I used to bench press in, in my height, uh, at the United States bench press, 435 pounds, mm. uh, weighing 196 pounds in a drug free environment where they tested you and did everything. So this was, uh, a, a, a real challenging time. Of course, when steroids were out there on the market, right. and so on, where people would cheat in contests. And I said, I can't compete in stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And it's not doing my body any justice. I wanted to think about, uh, having children of my own someday and so on that there, there is no shortcuts. And when your body's ready to give out, you have to just try to find ways to reinvent yourself. So I now, of course, now I've even trained myself where I, I, I never ran uh, at all then to two miles. And I do like cardio four to five miles mm-hmm. uh, a day daily. Wow. As you know. Wow. Now, um, how prevalent? I, how prevalent were the steroids? Like the, you know, when you would go to the gym, was that something that you know? Because obviously, you were in that community of, of weightlifters. Was that something that was just obvious every time you went to the gym, or how would you avoid it? Uh, you know, it's how I avoided a lot of things. Uh, being an Italian uh, immigrant in a in a in a mafia town, I should even say that. Uh, uh, you know, I, I I just found a way to stay away from. Uh, the, the, the easy road. My dad taught me there, there were no shortcuts. Do not take a shortcut. Um, and uh, just keep working hard. Go to college. Finish. Uh, make money. And there were no shortcuts. So I kind of kept to that drive mm-hmm. and uh, did myself some justice. Believe me, it was extremely tempting to see different people that would inflate their bodies overnight. But you should see those guys now today, if I'm to tell you, that had a 48-inch chest mm-hmm. that have now collapsed, and their stomach is probably 48 inches, okay? Oh, my goodness. Where wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not now, uh, you know, 198 pounds mm-hmm. of muscle. I'm now 181 uh, uh, with the lean muscle, and trim is better and better for your body, so the cardio aspects of, of my workouts have taken over mm-hmm. and I try to learn and do things with the word moderately. Mm. Now, when tennis comes into it, 
I don't know about moderately because I'll, I'll find a way that, that, you know, Ronald Reagan said at one time, who would have thought the Berlin wall would have come down and, uh, right. And you know, if you pound your head against hard enough against the wall, it's coming down, mm-hmm. which, you know, cause I, I, I've had many workouts with you to push you. And, uh, yeah. if the number was 10, well, let's do 15, you know, and, and, and so on. So, you know, now, now I'm trying to be smarter with my, my, uh, my body. And, uh, of course people don't do enough preparations before they get on the tennis court, mm-hmm. which I would say that people using bands for 10, 15 minutes prior to go work out, uh, and have a, a time with your, your friends or a lesson is key. Right. Calf raises is key. Oh yeah. Uh, these different things on, um, people that, you know, cause when you, when you're starting off in May or Memorial day out in the Hamptons or wherever you're playing tennis is, is not good. You need to train your body mm-hmm. several weeks before and get used to it. As you know, what people can't plan for in tennis versus just doing cardio is the side to side workout right. and, and so on. So, so be careful and stretch out after your workout. So all these things, uh, make a difference. And I found that, uh, stretching out with, uh, bands for 15 minutes religiously and even going through the service motion with them, mm-hmm. help out your game. So, um, that's where I'm a little bit more disciplined and, and I get there ahead of my opponent. Right. Always and, get there uh, early. That's always good. Be prepared. And, and I don't think like, uh, listen to our friend BG to take one out of his book. Brad um, Gilbert. Yep. The great Brad Gilbert. Okay. Yep. With, uh, actually, uh, hydrating your body before you get on the court mm-hmm. and then trying to catch up during your mm-hmm. match because you'll cramp up and uh, have more problems. So, um, that's an inspiring tip I would say to people who don't normally play the game or people that play the game, right? So you, 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 there you I, go. You, know, you bring up a couple of great points about warming up and doing the bands and the calf, especially for guys our age and our fit in our mid fifties, uh, Achilles that those come up. The other thing I, I would recommend to you, Monty, in your little pre-workout, you can do a little, you can simulate a little side to side movement, you know, the, the quick steps to the side before you go out there. I think that's also a good thing to do in your warm up as well. So you got the summer coming up. Obviously we've all been dealing with this pandemic and starting to get word that maybe tennis will be coming back fairly soon. So can, tell me what an average workout, an average summer day, uh, when you go, when you got a, either a tennis lesson or a match, what, what is your mindset going out there? Well, it depends who I'm playing first or what the scenario is. Um, because I take on different matches and, and opponents. And, uh, you know, if I can get out there and do some homework ahead of time on how they play before I just challenge somebody, I'll, I'll, I'll take a look at what their game looks like before I play. But, you know, I think it's important for anybody getting out there that's, that's warming up anyway. Uh, we're going to have to go back to that because I think a lot of tennis instructors make the mistake and just going out and banging the ball for their hour because of how expensive New York is. The most important 10 minutes is that to get that little feel of a short court, mm-hmm. which oh, yeah. a lot of people don't do, Patrick. Well, that's and, good. And, and that, that, yeah, and that's, great for, that. that's great for the drop shot, too, because that, that way you that's yeah. kind of practice in the drop shot as well. Outstanding. 
Now, what, yeah. what what is the goal for you moving forward? I mean, do you ever consider, I know you play a lot of practice uh, matches out there. You'll try to set them up through your club and so on. Do you, would you ever consider getting into tournament play at, uh, you know, your late 50s, maybe even by the time you're 60? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm inspired all the way around. There's there's plenty of tennis within the levels of uh, uh the different age brackets and so on. And, uh, now I'm, now I'm trying to get into more doubles tennis, mm-hmm. uh, because, um, there's so many shots, especially at the net that are needed for singles right. that if I played more doubles, my, hopefully my game will go through the roof with that. But, um, it, it, it's so much fun, Patrick. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I hope uh, we, you know, I, I know you've been patient with me on the court, which is uh, uh, like uh, you know, such such dedication that you came to play with me in the past, and and it's boring for you. Um, no, not at uh, all. Actually, I, actually, believe it or not, it's not at all because um, I find it, you know, as I said initially here, and and I truly, and this is really why I started this particular podcast, Monty, is because I find it inspiring that people like you who are incredibly successful in what they do um, outside of the tennis world. Tennis isn't even part of their professional life at all. For me, it's been that, you know, my whole life. But when I see people that <clears throat> take it up at, at, a, at an older age and are committed to it, because you know what? The thing about tennis I've learned, especially recently, since um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, working with kids and coaching kids at, at every level, it's really, really difficult. It's a really difficult game to get forget about being a professional just to get remotely decent at because of all the time it takes. And I was lucky that I started so early and just hit against the wall for hours and hours and hours in my neighborhood where I grew up. So I was able to just kind of do it without really thinking about it. But as you get older, you have to think about everything a lot more. So when I see someone like you and I, I get a lot of uh, enjoyment and pride out of watching people uh, working hard to get better. And to me, that's what it's all about. And that's why, I mean, that you're one of the inspirations to me to get this particular podcast going and to get this story out because I find it um, amazing that you're willing to put yourself in a situation where you're not comfortable. And then, and that, well, and tennis can do that. What, I, what was very interesting to me was to hear that um, most tennis players and what most people don't know, and this would help people along. To, to put a racket in their hand, especially as they're they're older um, and haven't ever played. Most tennis players, if I'm correct, you could correct me on this, never make it over a 3.0 to 3.5 as a level in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. So to think that I didn't have a million balls underneath my belt hitting back and forth prior to this and so on is the exciting thing mm-hmm. to think about how far can I take this and right. the social aspect? I've met some phenomenal, wonderful people out there, uh, in the world, uh, from different sectors. And, uh, it, it, it's something that will be with me, uh, as long as, uh, God will let me have a racket out there in, in my hand and keep my legs going and, and we can keep doing things because, uh, this is this is exciting, uh, fun stuff. So 
Well, one of the reasons we, yeah. we love tennis and we promote it so much is because we of, of what we call it, the sport of a lifetime. And, you know, you, the people can play until their 70s, 80s, even, you know, they have tournaments, Monty, for 85s and then 90s in the USJS wow. tournament. So you got, I mean, you got a long road ahead of you, my friend, you got lots of tournaments you can play. And, uh, you know, the people that travel and do that, you know, they, they make lifetime lifelong friends, just like I did playing in the, you know, my, some of my best friends that I have until this day are guys I grew up playing tennis with, you know, I met them at 10, 11 years old. Um, you know, and, Ron's talking yeah. about, I guess your tournament or the, 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 uh, senior tour, mm -hmm. uh, at 75 in, I guess, <laughs> over in Indian Wells. Right. So that he could, you know, go after the number one spot if he, if he could, uh, manage to do so at the end of this season. Listen, so, there are people that, um, that, that follow the, that tour and they're just as motivated to win those events as I was to win, you know, junior tournaments and as Roger Federer is to win Wimbledon. And I know your guy, of course, no surprise to those people listening to this, Rafael Nadal, because uh, something tells me you kind of like his attitude, don't you? I, I love his attitude. I love his play. I also love Roger. What a gentleman. But uh, uh, Rafael Nadal has just uh, inspired me uh, so much uh, from his gut and, and uh, hard work ethic uh, all the way around. Um, you know, I, I, I'm trying to figure out what's next. Is, is there some other crazy sport we could take up? Maybe, maybe uh, we'll have to, uh, you know, pitch quarters or do something uh, <laughs> when we can't move anymore. Yeah, Matt, right. But, uh, you know. Uh, There's always pool, yeah. right? There's always playing shooting billiards. There's always that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to play ping pong with you because I'm, I'm going to lose with that. So <laughs> I think, I think I, I, I've got to find something that I can take up that you haven't done yet and get a little edge ahead of you. Well, I know eventually you'll catch up, but only mm. play for a short amount of time. I don't know about that. Walk, well, you, well, you got me in the weight, weightlifting department, and you inspired me through our workouts. We used to have regularly in the city before I made the big move up, up to the suburbs. So uh, I missed those workouts, uh, but we're not going to miss getting on the court. And I know one of your no. longtime dreams, Monty, as we, we, we wrap this up, is to make the trip down under Australian Open. Let's hope it happens in 2021. I'm not so sure, but uh, hopefully this whole thing will pass. And I think we'll be back playing recreational tennis before we can get back out there and watch um, and check out professional tennis. Well, I'm sure hoping to do that this summer with you, Patrick, at least socially from a distance uh, somewhere uh, to figure that out. And uh, 2021 is definitely on the radar, <laughs> if not it. 2022 down under uh, for Australia would be awesome. It, it is my dream. And, uh, and I, I just want to say one thing that, you know, for – the, uh, I, I always enjoy the Johnny Mac fundraisers yep. to, uh, to go to, and I hope you guys have that somewhat this summer. I don't know if it's bladed. Mm -hmm. um, well, we and, usually, we uh, usually have it right before the U.S. Open, so obviously that's in doubt, the U.S. Open. But we'll, we're going to come up with something to try to raise money for those kids that need it at our, at our academy in New York. And uh, hopefully yeah. it will involve you being on the court and myself, my brother, and, and all the people that we get out there to come and support our great program. So we appreciate that. I, I, I love that stuff because uh, it, it's such a great thing to take uh, 
underprivileged kids to give them that opportunity that I never had. And, and seeing that happen is masterful. So I commend both of you and you're, you're both the best. So especially you, Tom. Listen, man, it's been great having you on. And uh, we went longer than we thought we would. But of course, that's, that's the way things roll here on this podcast. And I want you to get out there and start working on that drop shot. Okay? I'll do it. You I'll got, do it. You got it, buddy. Monty Thank Russo, you, everyone. Thank you. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media. Mudhouse Media.